What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Andy Up, Howard Better. Adam Ronis here. What's up, Ronis? Weekends by, everything's good in your world. What's new? What's exciting? Um, unless you just want to sit here and piss and moan about the Mets. I won't do that yet. I mean, it's obviously a terrible start for the Mets. Uh, as we're recording on Monday, they're down 7-3 in the third inning. They've made four fucking errors, man. So that's what you hate to watch. It's one thing, yeah, your team loses. But four errors, man, in two innings. The inning-inning double play could have happened in the second inning. So that sucks. And, you know, they lost five out of seven to the – no, four out of seven to the Pirates because they did come back on Sunday. So, yeah, it's not great right now. Uh, yeah, DeGrom on the I.L. Oh, really? DeGrom on the I.L. again? I thought there was nothing wrong with him. Who said that? Everybody. Everybody, no structural damage. He's fine. He's fine. He can pitch. He can pitch. This is what his second trip to the IL, and yeah. he's been. I mean, but to be and he's fair, been though, pulled early from two games. But to be fair, though, did he not pitch well when he was on the mound? He did pitch well when he was right. on the mound. But you know what? Actually, I had this this conversation with with Jim Bowden, Jim Sherholtz, who was the uh, the the Braves GM, was talking about that. What, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a uh, a superstar who only plays 60 games for you or a really good player who you know is going to be there for you for 150 games? Uh, okay, first of all, his last two starts, 14 innings, 24 strikeouts, no walks. Yes. Five runs. So I he, know. All right, so he was pitching through whatever was going on. We know he's had some issues this year. Once again, he had an MRI, no structural damage. The Mets did the right thing this time and said, all right, you know what? We're going to give him time off. I think that's why he didn't go to the All-Star game. I think this was happening before because he they had mentioned he had made that Tuesday start and they said, we might pitch him Sunday. We'll see. And they never did. They didn't even throw him in any. So I think then during that time he was going through it and they probably said, yeah, don't go to the All-Star game. We don't want you pitching. Just sit back. So I think they knew this and they obviously didn't make it public uh, even after the All-Star break. Right. Yeah, we don't know who's pitching. Oh, he's not going to pitch Friday. Oh, not Saturday. And then I.L. So they did the right thing this time. And before this, he was the favorite to win the NL MVP. And he was the favorite to win the NL Cy Young. And I looked yesterday to see because I was like, oh, man, I want to bet Tatis now. At least last night, DraftKings took it down. They didn't have the NL up for either. I don't know if it's back today. I didn't check because DeGrom was a heavy favorite. Not well, MVP, slight favorite. Tatis was behind him and then no one was close. And for the Scion, he was an obviously big favorite. So, yeah, he's had a couple of issues this year. But, again, when he's come, he's he's never given up. He has one start this year where he's allowed more than two earned runs. Yeah, listen, I'm not, I'm not denying that the numbers don't look great. What my issue is, is that where there's smoke, there's fire. And the, the continued... Uh, limitations and pulling them back and then putting them on the IL and all all of that. I mean, I said this to you the last time, man. I, I was like, the last time it happened, I was like, we're we're three conversations away from being told that he's, you know, got forearm tightness and it's going to be Tommy John surgery. Right. Well, and we had the discussion. And I did say in a lot of times to trade him if you could get something good. Yeah. 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 It's it's I'm. You know, it's like a like an uphill battle with people, though, like a, like a major uphill battle with people well, who play they, with their hearts and they don't play with their heads. But, and, you know, it's, it's, it's but no I different. Think, it's no different than Buxton. 
It's no different than Buxton. Oh, I which, think it's completely different. Well, I was no, no. Listen, Buxton was Buxton was absolutely amazing uh, to open the season, and then right around like early May, I said trade Byron Buxton right now while his value is 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 high. It's never be it's never going to okay, be see? as high as it is right now. Okay, the, the first fair. wait wait let me finish the first IL stint. It's immediately going to devalue Byron Buxton. So you trade him now because let me ask you this. In his seven-year career, he's played a full season once. Like what in the world is everybody thinking that all of a sudden this is going to be the year that Byron Buxton not only stays healthy, but he puts it together the entire season. So I said trade him for that, that value. Now, when we were talking about Jacob deGrom, and the way the Mets mishandled it at first, and then uh, and then he then he got pulled from two starts, and they threw him again. Uh, when he threw, it was like five shutout innings with like great strike, like nine strikeouts. Like Mets were up big in the in the game, so there was no reason to throw him anymore. I said the best thing that could have happened right there was that start from Jacob Degrom to reassure people that he's Jacob Degrom. Trade him now because. There is something wrong, and it's going to be a problem throughout the season. Like, make that move. And people are telling me, you know, I know you you said if you're getting something good for him, I, I think we were talking, we, we compared uh, a couple of deals, a couple of offers here and there. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, here we are now, DeGrom back on the IL. Maybe we're told that there's not going to be anything, or maybe all of a sudden now we learn the truth that, like you just said, it's been a problem for uh, a, you know a, at least a week or so right now. They didn't throw him at the end of the first half. They haven't thrown him now. They put him on the IL. There's a chance that there's a chance, Adam, that there is something seriously wrong with Degrom, and uh, and you end up losing him for for the majority of the rest of the year. Okay. Well, were you saying the same thing about Fernando Tatis when he had? Were you saying trade him now? No, because he he Why? his shoulder because he's had well, because, the shoulder injury several times. And you so wait, I don't understand. No, no, because so, the shoulder injury happened before. Like I wasn't saying it, trade Tatis, trade Tatis. The shoulder I'll, injury happened, right? Like, and I didn't. I, like I wasn't. I wasn't looking to trade him before Buxton. I was looking to trade him before the first injury Forget happened. Buxton, I'm throwing him out the window, and I will say this: it, one of these years. You can say we've been through this before. There have been players who have been injury prone, and then all of a sudden they stop getting hurt. Matthew Stafford's an example. Forget about Buxton, though. You can't say where there's smoke, there's fire with DeGrom. How do you not use it with Tatis? The subluxation has happened three times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because trading Tatis now is kind of like, I mean. No, well, I'm saying, I mean, how come you didn't say it when it happened the last time? Like, oh, that's it. This is the third time. Trade him now. This is going to keep being a problem. I did say it the first time. The first time, not the third time. Oh, the I said time? it the okay. first time. So, But see, that's the thing. When you're trading superstars like this, if you traded Tatis then, you look it looks bad now, right? Because he's the MVP and he's had 22 steals, 28 home runs. And that's what to go back where you go with DeGrom, it's not that easy because even with all this, the dude has a 1.08 ERA and a 0.55 whip. So he's had this, what, two or three scares and he came back. Look at his last few starts. He's been dominant. He's not even getting 100 pitches and he's still dominating. That's why it's difficult to do. And I said, 
when we went over it. Yeah, but it's not that easy because it's not like this guy is going out there and getting blown up. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? There's definitely something wrong. He keeps coming back and dominating. So it's not that simple as just trade him now because you hold on. He doesn't miss a lot of time. He comes back and dominates. He does come back and dominate. I think we can take a look at, at pitcher injuries, pitcher arm injuries uh, with a little bit more severity than, you know, a, a, a subluxation in the shoulder. I mean, it wasn't like, what well, you know. No, see, no, my whole point on that was you said where there's smoke, there's fire. There's clearly a fire with Tatis. So you yes. can't. Yes, so there you, is. You would have to have the same opinion. Like when Tatis, when it happened, especially the second time, you, you should have said trade him now. If you're going to have that same, and I know everything is different, but if your saying is where there's smoke, there's fire, there was clearly smoke and fire with Tatis. There was clearly smoke with Tatis, no doubt about it. But again, I'm, I'm, like you said, it's a case-by-case basis, all right? And, and, a, and, a, and an arm injury to DeGrom is a lot more severe than Tatis. Like if Tatis, if Tatis hurts his shoulder, okay, and he goes on to the I.L., Barring any kind of surgery. Yeah, but have you heard doctors' opinions on him? Have you heard what the doctors have been saying over the last couple of months, and especially when it first happened? That he needs surgery. He needs a right. and they all And they all said it's a risk. It's going to be a problem. He's yeah. played through it. I mean, again, you're playing probabilities, and sometimes those probabilities are going to be defied. And you'll see why. He's played through it. I, I'd consider, listen, would you, would, you, uh, would you not consider trading Tatis no, I, in a, in a dynasty? I, no, I would in what a dynasty? Sure. No, no way. The guy has played through this. It's only gonna get. He'll if maybe he has surgery in the offseason, he'll be fine. No way. Dynasty, I would. No way, I would trade him. No way. I mean, the guy has played through this, and look what he's put up. I have him in tout wars. I never considered trading him because I'm like, what am I gonna get for him? I'll just write it out. And thank goodness I have. He's obviously been great. And look, he could go down this week, miss time. I don't care. Look what he's given me already. Would you say that the risk for DeGrom needing Tommy John is greater than uh, than than Tatis needing season ending shoulder surgery? I don't know how you could say that when every time he has an MRI, there's no structural damage unless they're lying to us. Right. Uh, Unless they're lying to you. But he goes out there and throws 100. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you basically are always going to take the pessimistic view and just trade someone. What's your what's your feeling on Shohei Otani? What do you mean? What's my feeling on Shohei Otani? The guy's never been healthy. How could, you wouldn't would you trade him? Like the guy hasn't been over to hold up ever. He's had surgery and now he's hitting and pitching. Yeah. So is he someone you trade? I don't know. I you know what I mean. See, that's the thing is though it depends on what the situation is. Like that's the thing. Like you can't. You know, so you, you can't compare like like you just said, it's a case by case basis. And the severity of 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 Shohei Otani's injuries haven't been lasting. Right. I mean, it hasn't been where you where you're like, this dude's never going to pitch again or this dude's never going to play again. He's had his his share of injuries like every player does. What I'm saying is, is when you're looking at a guy like DeGrom, who clearly there's something wrong, they're telling you there's nothing wrong. DeGrom is saying there's something wrong. He's pulling himself out of games, okay? And then he's and then he's pitching through it. To me, we've seen more than our fair share of pitcher injuries with the arm that are a lot more severe than hitters. 
Well, not no. to mention, not to mention the value of 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 like losing a Degrom versus losing Otani. Otani's numbers look great, absolutely. Can you find a hitter who's doing what he's doing? No. Can you piece some things together to fix that? Yeah. Can you replace Degrom on your on your on your fantasy baseball roster? Can you stream pitchers who are going to be uh you know throughout the rest of the season who are going to touch his ratios or his strikeout rate? Well, you said you had Degrom. Did you trade him? No, because I kept getting all these bullshit low ball offers because everybody's like, but okay, see, goods. all right. Well, what did you just? Real okay, you clearly think there's something wrong and you're worried. So wouldn't you just take the best offer? What because now if you clearly think something's wrong, why would you wait it out knowing that all right, there's probably serious stuff? Wouldn't why wouldn't you just keep sending offers and be like because I'm not gonna take pennies on the dollar? I did. I sent out a ton of offers. I believe me, I sent out a ton of offers uh for DeGrom. I even went to the Met fans in my league and then made offers for DeGrom. And I was getting these these when pile of them? junk trades in you, return. When did you send these offers? When was the last offer you sent? The last offer I sent was probably maybe a week after, week or two after he um after he came back and he pitched that five inning game. So why weren't you sending offers after the fourteen strikeout seven inning performance against Atlanta or the performance against Milwaukee? Because I went through it with everybody. I spoke to the people and talked to them about it. And they were like, we're not, I'm not giving you that for, for Jacob deGrom. And I wasn't going to trade him for yeah, less but, than that. But I wasn't going to trade him for pennies on the dollar. But having discussions with people after he just came back and only went five innings is the wrong time. You needed to wait a couple more starts like he was dominant against Atlanta Milwaukee. That's when you send it again. Because now they see, all right, he's been back. He has 24 strikeouts, no walks over 14 innings. Adam, That's Adam he- I'm in constant conversations with people in my leagues. I'm in constant conversation with them. So it's like if, if I don't make a formal offer, I've, I've, people I've talked to about DeGrom, I've asked them after those, after those starts. I'm like, see, it's Jacob DeGrom. The problem is, is that I, I suffer from the fact that I'm in this industry and I'm shopping Jacob DeGrom. So everybody thinks that I know something that they don't want to make the deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So that means you never make trades then. No, no, no. I make trades. I definitely make trades, but it's not as, it's not as often as it was before I was, uh, you know, fully entrenched in the fantasy business. That's for sure. Yeah. I, you know, home leagues, you, you get that. I know you get that home leagues. People like as soon as you, you make somebody an offer, they're immediately suspicious, wondering why you're trading that player. That's not true. I made a trade today. What'd you make? What was your trade? I offered Mark Melanson for Austin Riley, and he took it. Mark Melanson for Austin Riley. Yeah, I mean, that's not really, you know, we're not really looking at marquee names here. Well, Mark Melanson leads the league in saves. He does. He does. But everybody's, you know, sitting there thinking he could possibly also get traded. Melanson? Why would he get traded? The Padres are in contention. Oh, why was I thinking? Yeah, you know what? You're right on that. I was just thinking that he was back with uh, what you gonna call it? Um, Melanson for Riley. I mean, I think that's a it's a it's an interesting deal. You well, obviously needed Mo- power. You had you had saves to give. 
Yeah, because I am first in saves. The next guy's four behind me. And then I think the next one is like uh, 17 behind me. So I might lose a point, but I need power desperately uh, to get back in this. So I offered Melanson for Cruz. He said no. So then I said, all right, I could use a corner infielder because Moustakas has been out. I've been playing Toro. That's not good enough. Um, I offered Melanson to someone else for Max Muncy. He came back and offered me Eugenio Suarez. And it's an OBP league, so I know he's a little bit better than an average, but I didn't want that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's what I had to settle for. Oh, no. Brandon Crawford was placed in the IL? You've got to be fucking kidding me. Shit. Wait, the Giants didn't play yet, right? I got to change my life. Dude, I, dude I, needed, I needed power in this one league, right? And I have great starting pitching. I traded Trevor Rogers straight up for Aaron Judge, and then he got COVID. Well, I would have done that trade. Look, I love Trevor Rogers. Major concerns with him. How many innings is he going to throw in the second half? He's going to get shut down. They're falling out of contention. They placed Jazz Chisholm and Garrett Cooper on the aisle today. So that team's falling back. So, yeah. And look, I have Trevor Rogers in a lot of leagues. Some leagues are not trading. And I'm just going to write it out. But, yeah, that, you know, I would have done that trade. I mean – Judge should be fine. Oh, I'm not regretting. I'm definitely not regretting it. It was just one of those like Murphy's Law kind of thing. Damn, I don't even have a replacement for Crawford in one league. I'm going to have, I guess I'll throw Corey Seager in there and hope that he comes back tomorrow, Wednesday. There's talking about, yeah, just going to do that. And then I think in Tout, I have to wait till he's officially on the aisle. Oh, no, I could replace him now if someone didn't start. Damn, man. Brandon Crawford here at his hammy, I think Friday, sat out Saturday, played yesterday, now he's on the aisle. Come on, man. It's because the dude's 72 years old. Uh, he's been all day. Wow. On Roto already put him on the IL. Look at that. Wow. That's a, that's a that's huge shot. That's right? Like same day they put him on the IL? Yeah. Oh, I just shit. saw this news and they already put him. That's amazing. Oh, damn, man. <laughs> oh, no. I got to do a midweek replacement though so i guess i gotta wait till tomorrow because i have him at the middle infield spot so i have to move o'neill from the outfield to middle and then put austin hayes in the outfield so i guess i'll have to do this tomorrow poor you poor you you'll no just way. have Can to you do it now midweek replacements on a monday <laughs> I... <laughs> I think you could yeah because wait tomorrow yeah no i can do it now because tomorrow's the 20th so i just lose him tonight so yeah i'll do it now so i don't forget that's the this is the part where having that flexibility where you have people with multiple position eligibility, it really becomes a big factor. Really becomes a big factor. No doubt. No doubt. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's kind of take a little pivot here, uh, pay some bills, give a shout out um, to uh, to our sponsor here. And uh, we'll be back right after this. All right, Adam, NBA Finals. You uh you're you you might be getting your wish here. You said that you wanted a game seven. Well, the Suns have to do something. Chris Paul's gotta stop turning the ball over, and uh, you know, Devin Booker's gotta wake the hell up. But lo and behold, here we go. It's definitely not Suns in four. Um, how are the finals for you? Well, you just you had, you had the one game Saturday night. Did you watch the game? Oh, yeah, of course I did. Oh, yeah, I had a, I timed it perfectly. I had company over and um, <laughs> we were we, we were finished at 8.53 and the game started at 9. 
So I worked out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you can tell me the exact time that you finished. Oh, yeah. No, I came to the living room. I was like, oh, I hope the game didn't start because I had no idea what it, time it was. And I looked at 8.50. I'm like, perfect. Put on Channel 7 and said, oh, yeah, uh, basketball's on. Let's, come on, let's watch this. <laughs> You're such a romantic. Oh, I am. Look, I mean, basketball is part of my job, isn't it? You know, I'm writing articles for Wager Alarm. I got to watch these games. Plus, you know, I mean, it's NBA Finals. I would watch anything, but. <laughs> All right. So uh, tomorrow, well, it would be tonight, not tomorrow, because we're recording on Monday. Game's Tuesday night here. Uh, Milwaukee's favored by five right now. Um I guess if, if I had to guess where you would be, I think that you would lean Suns plus the points at this point right now because you think there's this is going seven games. But, man, uh, Vegas has uh, Milwaukee as a minus 200 on the money line already. Yeah, I'll take the Suns plus five for sure. I mean, the last two games were kind of close. And the one thing is we have not seen uh, Phoenix in this spot and uh, – by the way, uh, you were mocking me for a tweet that I put out last night. Just want to let you know, Michael Conforto just hit a two-run homer. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was such a lame tweet, dude. Oh, looks like Michael Conforto's got to carry this offense. Now. No, I said it's time. It was such it was a, a fanboy tweet. Dude, it's, it's no, it's not. It's a statement. I said it's time for Conforto to carry this offense. Lindor's out. Conforto's fanboy been hurt tweet. this year. Conforto's a big-time power hitter, and we haven't seen it yet. Fanboy tweet. Not a fanboy tweet. It was a total fanboy tweet. How? It's how is it a fan? Because I'm a Mets fan. So yeah, I make because you're I, a Mets fan. You're saying Michael Conforto's got to got to carry this offense now. It's it, he he's not going to carry this offense. His team is gonna gonna crumble like day old coffee cake. So look like 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 week old baklava by the end of it. Okay. Yeah, especially when Jacob Degrom uh, doesn't pitch the rest of the season now. We'll see. He's yeah, eligible to return Sunday, so we'll see. We will see. We will see, won't we? But yeah, Conforto, Conforto has under his fucking so arm. Dave Dravecki's all over the place. Yeah, whatever. Don't hate on the Mets, man. <laughs> Why? It's so easy. Worry about your fanboy tweets. It's not a fanboy tweet. If if someone says to me who's a great buy low right now in baseball at at the All Star break, I would have said Conforto, no doubt about it. Shocker. How's it a shocker? I'm realistic about the Mets. I'll tell you when they suck. Mm-hmm. Sure you will. Yeah, I will. Okay. Sure. Okay. All right. Do you want to go back to talking basketball now, or you want to uh, get all rah-rah about your Mets again? Do you want to grab your pom-poms from the other room? No, anyone who listens to me knows I'm a realistic Mets fan. I don't, I'm not one of those people that tells you to draft all these guys because they're Mets. Uh, they had one all-star. And they only deserved one all-star. So, uh, but yeah, I like the Suns plus five. Uh, and I think there's a good chance they win this game. The one thing is they have not faced elimination at all this postseason. So we haven't really seen them in this spot where we've seen the Bucks several times be down 2-0. And they came back. So they've been in the pressure spots. But I think there is going to be a little pressure on them. To close this out at home, I think you might see them come out a little tight, excited, 
Um, that arena is going to be jam-packed. I mean, they've been putting 18,000 people outside the arena in addition to the people inside. So they are really pumped up for this. And, like, people are blaming the Suns. <laughs> the Suns played, played a really good game on uh, Saturday. Uh, if I would have told you before the game, hey, the Suns are going to shoot 55.2% from the field, 68.4% from three-point range, and 90.9% from the free throw line, and only turn it over eight times. You would say, wow, they're going to win. That performance at home, they lost. Why? Well, the Bucks were a little bit better, 57.5% from the field. They weren't better from three-point range. They were 50%. They had one more three. They were 52.9% from the free throw line. So they turned it over uh, a little bit more, 11 turnovers. They just had a ridiculous third quarter uh, where they outscored Phoenix 36-29. In the second quarter, they outscored them 43-24. And Phoenix outscored them by six in the fourth and almost came back. So um, it was a close game. I thought Devin Booker made a terrible decision late. He basically dribbled into a triple team. And I saw Chris Paul open on the perimeter. And I was waiting for him to pass it back. I think he got a little selfish. I mean, in a sense, well, he scored 40 and he was carrying this offense. I understand that. But sometimes you just have to be unselfish and pass up the ball in a key spot, especially when you got one of the defenders being Drew Holiday, who's really good. So I thought he made a bad decision there. Uh, so they're going to need other guys to step up. Chris Paul was a little bit better last game. He had 21. It took him a while to get going. But I would definitely take Phoenix plus five. And I think there's a, a good chance they win this. Okay. Yeah, I kind of figured you would say that they would probably win it outright as well. Um, under over 222. You lean on the under there? Uh Probably just because both teams shot ridiculously well. Although I think this, I think every game has gone over except one, but I think you might see a little bit more defensive intensity here. So right now I lean towards the under. Right now leaning towards the under. Okay. Makes sense. Makes good sense to me. No doubt about it. All right. Um, yeah. All right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I don't know. Is is this series everything that you've uh, kind of hoped it would be? Yeah, it's been a really good series. I think, uh, you know, we've seen a couple blowouts, but the last few games have been closed. And you know, I think a lot of people assumed Phoenix was going to win the championship when they were up 2-0. And for Milwaukee to come back and win three straight, it's been pretty impressive because that's been one of my concerns throughout the year about Milwaukee is, their mental fortitude and man, they have just shown uh, an amazing ability to come back from deficits and, you know, a lot of credit to Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton because they played phenomenal in game five. I mean, Drew Holiday had struggled in this series and he put up with big time performance. Middleton has been streaky at times, but man, when his shot is on, he could take over a game. Um, and remember we were, didn't know about Giannis after he got hurt in the Eastern conference finals. And, uh, you know, he's been good as well. And uh, Pat Connaughton has been a big uh, unsung hero. I gave out his over one and a half three-point props in the last game. And he hit two in the first quarter, I think four for the game. So I haven't checked that yet. I, I would think by now because I think it's been sitting at one and a half. And he's played a lot more. They've gone a little bit small. So even though he doesn't start uh, all the time, he's been coming off the bench. Let me see. I want to see if they raised it to two and a half. Uh, it is... 
Wow, one and a half, but the juice has gone up. Minus 148 on FanDuel, minus 167 on BetMGM. So my guess is it'll probably go to two and a half. So you might be able to get a two and a half early on Tuesday, maybe at plus 100, maybe early. I'd probably take that. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, uh, check wageralarm.com, obviously, as you're, uh, you're listening to this. Uh, make sure that uh, Adam's got uh, you know his props and his leans and everything like that. See if anything changes uh, at the last minute. You always want to make sure that you double check beforehand. Um, all right. So from baseball to basketball to oh baby, how about a little fantasy football? Adam, uh, your draft guide article, training camp battles that came out today. Uh, nice big boy there. Uh, anything in particular that you would say, uh, you know, kind of really caught your eye as you were researching this bad thing? A lot more quarterback battles than usual, right? Don't we feel like we go into the year and we know, all right, we know the quarterback. I mean, the Saints, man. I mean, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, that's that's a pretty big one. Um, especially for those looking to draft Kamara early. And even though some of those rookie quarterbacks might start the year. I, I think they're they're good picks late. Um, you know, I don't I typically don't draft two quarterbacks in leagues with 16 roster spots. Mm-hmm. Um, 18 or more, I will, especially a lot of the high stakes leagues are 20 rounds. I, of course, I'm going to take a second quarterback in the 20 round draft because everyone else is doing it. Some might even take three, which is stupid. But hey, uh, people will do that. But yeah, if I get like a really good quarterback who I'm confident in, I'll take a Trey Lance wait, late, Justin Fields and stash them because we know they have a lot of ability. When they get the job, I mean, we saw what Justin Herbert did last year, and he runs a little bit, but not like those guys. So, yeah, I would take those guys late. I I don't like waiting four, five, six weeks, but your second quarterback, you know, most of the – I don't even know when the earliest buy is, but I'm pretty sure it's not five or six this year. So I would hold those guys. I think think week six is actually the the first bye week this year. Um, oh yeah, you're right. You know why I should know? Because I wrote that maybe the 49ers turn to Lance after their week six bye in week seven. Um, but again, if Garopp, the thing is though, if Garoppolo gets off to a good start, like how do you go away from him if it's working? Well, see, that's the thing, you know, like as far as these kids go, I, I think if Garoppolo's healthy and the, and the Niners are playing well, there's no reason to rush Trey Lance out there. I know that you traded up for him, but you know, I mean, you, you want to you, you you don't want to sit there and just, you know, like like Miami made such a huge mistake switching from Fitzpatrick to Tua. Right. That was their that was it was clearly their plan the whole time. They were like, no matter what, when we come back from the bye week, we're going with Tua. He's going to be you know, he's our future. We have to see what you know, what we have in him. Right. So, you know, that's the move they made. And that was a, it was a huge mistake for them playoff wise. Like, but, I think but, that, but I understand why they did it, though. They weren't going anywhere in the playoffs. No, they weren't. But, you know, like the team's winning and, you know, and, and you know, whether or not you thought they would go anywhere in the playoffs or not. It just, you know, it was it, to me, it was a rush job for them. You know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, you know, a new offensive scheme here. He's learning Chan Gailey's offense. The rest of the team had just spent the year before learning Chad O'Shea's offense, right? So, so now you're bringing Tua in midway through the season when the team was like the team was kind of humming along nicely, 
right? I mean, I'm, I'm not a Dolphins fan by any means, but it just seemed like it was, uh, it was their plan the entire time that they were saying, we're going to do this no matter what. And I just feel like you kind of, you know, you, you, you put the team off into a, and just a, kind of into a bad spot there. Now, with the with the Bears, I think it's going to be really simple. I think the Bears, the schedule just dictates exactly what's going to happen. Like my prediction is, uh, the Bears either go zero and three or one and two in their first three games, right? They uh, they they come out in week four. They play Detroit. Dalton struggles in that first series or you know first two series, and they're like, "Fuck it, we're going to Fields." And they yeah, go to they Fields. Up, don't they open up against the Rams on a Sunday night? I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, then they so they, they turn to fields in the middle of that Detroit game. They win that game. And that's just that's right there. OK, Dalton sits. Justin Fields starts. I don't think it's like that with the 49ers, because I do think the schedule, the early schedule kind of uh, it's not terrible for uh, for the 49ers. Well, and, it's, the, uh, it's the Lions, Eagles, Packers, Seahawks. Cardinals before they buy. So all right. So they, that's they could be they could be three and three. Well, that's five games. I'll say it's five. Yeah. So three and two, four and one. Three and two, four and one. I don't they'll know. They'll beat the Lions. They'll beat they'll, the Lions. They'll beat the Lions, yes. Eagles, you would think they could they'll beat the Eagles. If Rodgers plays, they could lose to the Packers. Correct. They could lose to the Seahawks. They could Possibly. lose to the Cardinals. Mm. The games in think, Arizona. I think they. I think they win one of those divisional games. Okay, but if they start three and two, they can make the switch. I just. I. I mean, if 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 Garoppolo's playing like shit and the offense isn't humming, yeah, okay. Right. But here's the thing: the reason why they have, it's more of a likelihood that they make a switch because they traded up to draft them. And if they were that confident in Garoppolo, they wouldn't have done it. So you have to sometimes read what teams are telling you. And they're saying, we are willing to make the switch. And the other thing is, can Garoppolo stay healthy? The guy's played 16 games once. Yeah. Yeah. He's like but, Byron uh, Buxton of football. Uh, okay. So if Buxton is in, <laughs> look, and I don't have Buxton this year, and I wanted him. If Buxton is a, where do you think Buxton gets drafted next year? Uh, tenth round. round. Okay. Tenth, tenth round. Would you take him? No. Okay. You know, one of these years he will stay healthy. Sure. And he could put up monster numbers. But isn't that the type of player you take in round 10? Because you know that the ceiling could be 25, 15, 25, you know, 30, 15, 30, 20. It's possible. Depends on the makeup of my team right there, but. You know, I mean, again, I, you're also talking to somebody who who who's owned Buxton for so like four so out of the I. seven years. Oh, I I mean, this year, no, I wanted him, but and he was off. Dude, he was off to ridiculous. He had ten homers, five steals in twenty seven games, was hitting three sixty nine. Now, of dude, course, people were taking him in like the fifth and sixth round this year. No, like, they weren't. This yeah. year, show me one draft where he went in the fifth round, dude. I play in the high stakes leagues. He didn't even go in the fifth round. All right, I'll uh. Let's see if I can find some the fifth or sixth some ADP. There's no way. Right, Maybe nice. one draft, but not multiple. And I can't even imagine one. I, I'm going to check now where he went in my main event, where people are very aggressive 
and push players up big time. I mean, Victor Robles went in the sixth round, okay? And we see how that's working out. And I'm raising my hand because I was ready to take him for the speed. Buxton went, I'm guessing, in mine, round eight. He went in round nine. 15-team with some Hall of Famers in the NFBC. So he went uh, fifth pick of round nine, two picks before me. I don't know. In the NFBC, I'm looking at their ADP right now. All right. Byron Buxton, the highest he went was 55. The lowest he went was 387. That might be, if it's 387, they might be including those second chance Memorial Day drafts. Possibly. The highest he went was 55, Adam. Yeah, what, in one draft, bro? Dude, I don't know. They don't tell me that. Yeah. And you got to we we went over this last week with some of the football ones. There's always going to be one outlier. But his what was his overall ADP? Uh, 115. Right. See, that's that's ninth, tenth round. That's where he went most of the time. People weren't aggressively drafting him. I think they priced him appropriately because they knew the risk that comes with him. But they also said, all right, we see that there's a massive ceiling. And we saw it when he stayed healthy. The thing with Buxton, though. It's like but aren't these aren't these 15 team leagues? Oh well, it depends how you're sorting the ADP. They they have 10 team leagues. They of the main event is 15. So it, you you can select by number of teams. So if you do the drop down, menu, right, I'm looking right now. So and you 15, have to do the appropriate date. If you're just going by default, it's going back to October 1st. All right. So we're tell me tell me the date range to put in here, Adam. What would all you? All right, I'll put it in. You want to go? I'm looking right here. March first to March first to March thirty first because we can't include the the drafts after because they have like this the Memorial Day weekend, the second chance draft. Buxton's going to go extremely late there because he was hurt. Okay, and you want fifteen team leagues? Sure, because that's mostly the main event. So those are the guys putting up eighteen. I'll, 19, I'll go 000. main. I'll go main event here. Um, Byron Buxton, highest was 68, lowest was 138. Okay, so one person took him in round five. How do you know it was only one person? Okay, it's not a lot, though. The point, you see his ADP. My point is he wasn't consistently going in the fifth round. There's always going to be an outlier. Someone's putting up money, a lot of money. I really want Buxton. I'm not waiting till his ADP. I write this up. You know this in in these high-stakes leagues. There's always going to be someone who's aggressive or a couple of people. But the bottom line is Buxton was going mostly in the ninth, 10th round of 15 team leagues, which I think was priced appropriately because you it baked in some of the injury risk, but it also showed you, hey, the reason why I'm taking this guy here, despite the fact that he's only played 140 games once is because the power speed combo. And we've seen so many flashes of him. But I think the lesson here is that- Wait a second, I got to correct you here because his ADP and the date range that you just gave me for 15 team leagues in the NFBC, his ADP is 106.36. In a 15 team league, that's the seventh round. That's oh, where he was going on average. Well, he's probably because I, I think he had a hot spring. So he probably moved up. I'm telling you. So I said people were taking him in the fifth round. You okay, said, so no, they weren't. They, I said, yeah, they were. Okay, we're looking so at the data right now, and it's who's, true. Who's more aggressive, high-stakes players or casual players? Uh, where, where, so tell me what else you want me to put in No, here. I'm saying if the high-stakes players 
who are aggressive are if the ADP in the month of March was seven, why would the casual drafters be around five? Because when they see what people are doing, I mean, let's face it, the masses aren't exactly the, uh, the, the biggest brain busters in the world here. So when you start seeing that everybody in the high stakes league is taking uh, Byron Buxton in the seventh, yeah, guess what? Like a bunch of newbies to fantasy baseball or, or people who track this ADP, they start being like, oh, shit, well, let me see. Everybody's doing that, and everybody's investing there. No, so the now ca- i got to make casual, sure that I take them. The casual you know, player doesn't even know what the NFBC is. They're not oh, looking that's, at NFBC. That's not true. The casual player, the guy who plays in his office, they're looking at NFBC. They're not. That's not true. It's true. It's not true. Okay, the GST League. Byron Buxton went around nine. Last pick around nine. Yeah. Yeah. Is that 15 teams? Yes. Last pick around nine. Okay, so that's that's one draft, Adam. Okay. All I'm your saying is, round, is that your fifth round is one draft. Your fifth meet, round me, meet me in the middle here. The fifth round. Meet me in the Let's, middle. Stop saying ninth and tenth, and I'll stop saying fifth, and I'll meet you at the seventh. Okay, I gave you my main event where he went ninth round and the GST where he went tenth. These are people paying decent money. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't yeah. – look, so find an industry draft then where he went in the fifth. Um. All right. I mean, do you do you, do you hold, please? Do you want me to go st- start scrubbing through them all and look? I mean, I'll, I'll check where he went in tout. That's OBP. That hurts him. So I will say that. That's definitely fair. So, um, but let me see where he went there. Because uh, he definitely gets hurt in the OBP. He would go lower. But he wasn't going in the fifth round of many leagues because people realized that he the risk. That's why he fell, and it was. I think ninth, tenth round is a fine pick, even in the eighth, if you want to take the shot. Those are look, we it's easy to say now it's a stupid pick because he's hurt. If he stayed healthy and maintained what he was doing, we'd be saying that's a league winning pick. Those are the picks you make. They're not always going to work out. There's a reason why they go in those rounds. But th- those are where you swing for the fence and take chances. Um, all right, I got a round eight Byron Buxton in the FSGA. Okay. That's a 14-teamer. Right. All right. Okay. Looking. I forgot. Um, I got to go to damn fan tracks because that's where we did the draft. Fan <laughs> tracks. Damn, wait a second. Where is it even on there? That's All a right. that This is get. a 12-teamer here. It's a host league. And Byron Buxton, 11th round here. Ted Schuster. Okay. I don't know why I'm looking for these. Because I asked you to, and you're a nice guy. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Don't fucking tell anybody. Buxton went in round eight of tout. See, there you go. Eight. And it's OBP, which means he got pushed down. You know who took him, of all people, too? Um, Greg Ambrosius. The NFBC guy. There you go. Oh, the irony right there. Let's see. Where is Buxton in this one? This is this is like a nine-team league here. Oh, oh boy. Nine-team. <laughs> I know. I know, right? 
I know. Why can't I find Buxton? Rosario Smith, Teoscar, Lourdes, a 14th round of a nine-teamer. Yeah, no, I mean, look, there's always going to be outliers, but I think generally in 15 teams, he went eighth, ninth round. And I think he might have moved up a little bit. If our, did he have a hot spring? I think he did, right? He did have a hot yeah, spring. So that's why. So that's that's why those March numbers, I think, are a little bit higher um, because we know players, people say if the spring doesn't matter. It absolutely does. Players move up. And it should matter, as I wrote about on Fantasy Alarm with Carlos Rodon. The guy was not on my radar. I saw his spring, his velocity. I said, I'm in on this guy. So the spring matters. Preseason matters. And sometimes it moves in the wrong direction. We know this. We're going to watch training camp, right? Guaranteed. Training camp starts this week. Steelers, Cowboys, then the Bucks report. We're going to see training camp highlights because it's all over now. First pre, oh, look at this run. And the player's going to move up. Remember Javid Best? He had that one big run in the preseason. Javid Best. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of times it's, for football, I'll say it's probably more of a pro, probably more of a mistake just because we see that one highlight it's all over it gets so much coverage where I think with baseball it's more it's more health like Rodon it was all right he's healthy his velocity's up they non-tendered him he's motivated you know like there's so many different factors so I think maybe baseball it's a little bit different where football a lot of it is all roll you know are you going to get the touches and one big highlight run against the fifth stringers doesn't guarantee anything it's you know, it's, you know, like a Victor Cruz guy from years ago. That's something where it matters, right? You know, okay, this guy can play. Keep him on the radar. But a lot of times we see it get blown out of proportion. One highlight play. Oh, my God, this guy's great. Where is he on the depth chart? Oh, he's the fourth wide receiver. <laughs> you know, it's coming, man. We didn't have preseason last year. So I know, right? Oh, my God, I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it. Only a few weeks away from that. The hype machine is going to get crazy. All right, Adam, I know you got a show over at Sirius XM Fantasy that you've got to go get ready for. Um, we'll cut it here. Uh, again, check wageralarm.com uh, tomorrow you know, on uh, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, I mean, uh, to make sure that uh, Adam's leans are the same. He will let you guys know. Uh, Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide. Get it now. Fantasyalarm.com slash draft now. Use the promo code draft now, one word, 20% off right there. And Adam's article on training camp battles already worth the price of admission. That's going to do it for us here today. Big thanks to all you guys out there for listening, liking, and subscribing. For Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Bender. We'll catch you next time.